What do the words trust, lean not, and acknowledge have in common? Find out on Change by Grace. Welcome to Change by Grace. I'm Pastor Steve Herford. Today we're looking at one of the most familiar passages in Scripture. You've memorized it, you've quoted it many times. The passage I'm referring to is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. What does it mean to trust God and acknowledge Him in all of your ways? Let's find out today as we study together from God's Word. Tonight we're turning our attention to a very familiar passage in the Old Testament. and It's found in Proverbs chapter 3. Please take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. The passage we're looking at tonight is verses 5 and 6. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. The book of Proverbs is sometimes called the Proverbs of Solomon, since most of the sayings here were written by Solomon himself. 1 Kings 4.32 tells us that Solomon composed 3,000 Proverbs. And so these are the several hundred that the Spirit of God has inspired to be Holy Scripture. In chapter 30, it's said to contain the words of Agur, the son of Jacka. In chapter 31, it's introduced as the words of King Lemuel. If you look over in chapter 1, you'll find in verses 2 through 6, six purposes for the Proverbs. It says in verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. And then the last one, to understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles. As we look at Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, we need to understand, first of all, that it is not an evangelistic call to outsiders, but it is actually addressed to those who already know what it means to have faith in God. It's directed to the man who diligently studies the Word of God, to the young man who listens to God's law. Now, there is something that occurs that begins in chapter 1, and it starts at verse 8, and it runs 23 times through this book. And it's that phrase, My Son. It occurs in chapter 1, verse 8, verse 10, verse 15, chapter 2, verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1, verse 11, verse 21. Chapter 4, verse 10, verse 20. Chapter 5, verse 1, verse 20. Chapter 6, verse 1, verse 3, verse 20. Chapter 7, verse 1. Chapter 19, verse 27. Chapter 23, verse 15. 19, 26. Chapter 24, verses 13 and 21. Chapters 27, verse 11. And chapter 31, verse 2. 23 times that phrase, My Son... And if you were to take just the first three chapters 
It's very interesting what you will find in this parental-like instruction. Because it says in chapter 1 and verse 8, My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother. For they will be graceful ornaments on your head and chains about your neck. And you can take these 23 different phrases as parental instruction. In fact, if you look there in chapter 1 and just go to verse 10, and you see as it begins, it starts out by telling this father to his son, do not follow after sinners. That's a good place to start, isn't it? Do not follow after sinners. Now, that's come right after saying in verse 7 that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, fathers, if I can encourage you in any way with the Proverbs, you need to take this book and teach this to your children. In fact, at least two times it talks about addressing your children with the Proverbs and then these 23 times as a father to his son. Now, why does it do that? Well, I believe it does that simply by the fact that the father is to be leading the home. He should be the one teaching in the home. Now, I know that we have situations where the father is absent and the woman has to take on that role. And praise God for you ladies who do that. And take on the many other things that you have to take on because the father's not there. And praise God that the Word of God is being taught in the home. But here in... Chapter 1, verse 10, he begins by saying, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, Come with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in your lot among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your foot from their path. For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Surely, in vain, the net is spread in the sight of any bird. But they lie in wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. And here, this wise father is telling his son, do not follow after sinners. Now, you go into chapter 2, and in fact, the entire chapter tells how you can understand the fear of the Lord and how you can find the knowledge of God. And when you do, it says that discretion will preserve you. Understanding will keep you to deliver you from the way of evil and to deliver you from the immoral woman. In chapter 3, it begins by talking about not forgetting parental teaching, but letting your heart keep the commands. Because if you obey them, then there will be a positive, excuse me, a positive consequence. What is that? Length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. And then, of course, the passage that we're looking at tonight, verses 5 and 6, this parental instruction is to trust in the Lord. Not your own understanding. Acknowledge Him and He'll direct your paths. In verse 7, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Depart from evil. Verse 9, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of all your increase. Verses 11 and 12, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest His correction. Why? For whom the Lord loves, He corrects, just as a father and the son whom He delights. 
Verse 13, find wisdom. Get understanding. Don't let them depart from your eyes. Verses 27 to 29, do good to your neighbor. Verses 31 and 32, do not envy the oppressor. Choose none of his ways, for the perverse person is an abomination to the Lord. And you can see right there, just by three chapters in Proverbs, that there's many things that we need to teach to our children. And I would much rather have them coming from me, my kids, going to my kids, rather than coming from someone else. It's sad today that we use the church in that way. And we don't just use the church, we use other people like that. And we say, here, teach my kids. Here, teach them the fear of the Lord. Many parents will drop off their kids to church while they go on and do whatever their thing is. You have been given a great trust. Those of you who have children and those of you that are still yet to have children, that is a great trust. Plan now. Plan now the way that you will teach them. The book of Proverbs will give them wisdom. It will give them understanding. It will give them discretion in matters of life and holy living. Now, in order to do that, we must commit ourselves to teach it. We must commit ourselves to live it. There must be consistency in our life along with the Word of God. Well, if you look here tonight at chapter 3, I want to focus our attention on one of those parental instructions, and it was that one that found in verse 5, And verse 6, trusting in the Lord. In these two verses, we see actually three verbs that come in the form of commands. The three verbs are trust, lean, and acknowledge. Those three verbs, those three action words, call us to action. It calls us to do something. In our relationship with the Lord, we have to trust Him. We have to lean not on our own understanding and we have to acknowledge Him or more literally know Him. First, not only are we to listen and obey the Word of God as the first two verses of chapter 3 indicate, and also live it as verses 3 and 4 indicate, but we are also to obey it by trusting the Lord of the Word. Well, the first command is seen in that verb trust. We are to trust the Lord. And to do this, it's very important that we first understand what it means to trust. I want you to notice, first of all, the definition of trust. The word itself means to rely on, to depend on, even to have confidence in. Because when you truly trust the Lord, you have confidence in the Lord. You depend on Him. You totally rely on Him. In fact, it's literally clinging to Him. And it comes with the idea of setting one's hope and one's confidence upon the Lord. That Hebrew word for trust, it occurs 120 times in the Old Testament. In 117 verses. It's very interesting that many of those times it occurs in the, in the Psalms. Let me read to you a few of those Psalms. Psalm chapter 4, verse 5, if you'd like to follow along, says, Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Psalm 9, verse 10, And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. Psalm 13, verse 3, Consider and hear me, O Lord my God, enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him. Lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in your mercy. 
My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Psalm 21, verse 7. For kings trust in the Lord, and through the mercy of the Most High, He shall not be moved. Psalm 22, verse 4. Our fathers trusted in you. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried to you, and were delivered. They trusted in you, and were not ashamed. Psalm 26, verse 1. Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have also trusted in the Lord. I shall not slip. Psalm 27, verse 3. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. Same word. Psalm 28, verse 7. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him. And I am helped. Therefore, my heart rejoices or greatly rejoices. And with my song, I shall praise Him. Psalm 37, verse 3. One that's very familiar. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. And then Psalm 62, verse 8. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Now, each one of those times as we heard those verses, it talked about Relying on God, depending on Him, having confidence in Him, clinging to Him that He is our refuge and our strength. In fact, that Hebrew word is also translated sure. It's translated confident. It's translated bold. And believe it or not, it's actually translated careless. But not in the idea in which you and I would think. Think of the idea that you trust God so much that you don't concern yourself with your cares. See, that's why Peter would say, casting all your anxiety on Him. For He cares for you. He is our help in our time of need. All these terms give us the result of trusting. Now turn with me over to Philippians chapter 4 and I want to show you something there. In the light of this context, we must understand that the demand is placed on parents to teach their children to trust in the Lord. Now, this is done by instruction and it's also done by example. And notice the instruction and example that occurs in Philippians 4. As Paul writes to the church at Philippi, he tells them in verse 1, of chapter 4, he tells them to stand fast in the Lord. He also names two people that needed to be of the same mind in the Lord, Eodia and Syntyche. And he tells the church to help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. And he says to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say rejoice. Look at this setup here as you get down to verse 6. Be of the same mind. Help those who are not of the same mind. Rejoice in the Lord always. Let your gentleness or graciousness be known to all men because the Lord is at hand. And then here it is. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. 
and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Look down to verse 9. Paul says, The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Now look at all that instruction right there. He's telling us here, by this passage, to be of the same mind, help those who aren't of the same mind, rejoice in the Lord, let your gentleness be known to all men, be anxious for nothing, but by everything with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God. And then in verse 8, which we didn't even read, he talks about the things that you're to think upon. And then he tells them that the things that they had learned and received and heard and saw in Paul, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Now, you take that back to the context. The context in chapter 3 of Proverbs of this parental instruction. Listen, in order to teach your kids, you have to be that kind of model to them. This is something that we forever work on. It's also something that we mess up many times. Now, when I read Proverbs chapter 3 and I read in verse 5, I don't always just draw my attention to some of the obvious things there, but I also find my attention going to that little phrase that's found in the middle of verse 5 which says, lean not on your own understanding because you know what we do? We lean on our own understanding, don't we? Knowledge is something that people are very proud of today. That's why you go to school. Right? You're seeking to build that knowledge. But you know what? That kind of knowledge, apart from the Lord, can only go so far. In fact, God doesn't want us to lean on our intellects, lean on our insights, lean on our discretion. He wants us to lean on Him. In fact, if you were to look at James chapter 1 and verse 5, in the midst of trials, what's the first thing we try to do? We try to rationalize this. And we might even ask, is there some kind of sin that I've done as to why I'm in this situation? And we're trying to figure it out with our own wisdom. And James says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Who gives to all, liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. See, God wants you to ask for the wisdom that you need because He knows that you need it. The problem is, is that we don't think we need it. And then we go blazing through this life thinking that we've got it all figured out and God wants you to depend entirely upon Him. Now, that's a daily thing. That's a daily truth right there. That is something that we have to practice daily. And as God grows us in His Word, we begin to get more and more of a dependence upon Him. Now, notice the object of our trust. That's found also in verse 5. Not only does he say trust, but he doesn't say just trust in anything. He says trust in the Lord. He is the object of our trust. It's very interesting when you look at this passage grammatically, you find some things taking place there. First of all, in verse 5, you find three prepositions that are used there. Prepositions occur right before the noun. So you have trust in the Lord. The preposition is in and the noun is the Lord's. And what the preposition does, it takes the Lord, that noun right there, and it shows a relation to another noun or another word. In this case, the first one is trust in the Lord and the relationship between the two is the Lord and trust. And then the second one, it says, with all your heart. The next preposition is with. And the word heart is a noun. And now it's taking in the relationship between trust and Lord. And the third one is... 
And lean not on your own understanding. On is a preposition. The noun is understanding. And now you have these words that show relation. You have trust, you have Lord, and you have heart, and you have understanding. And all these terms are used within relation to one another. The Lord is to be the object of our trust. Nobody else. Nothing else. One of Samson's downfall was, is that he gave his heart to Delilah. Wasn't it not? She told the, he told the secret of his strength. And the enemy came in. The Lord is to be the object of our trust. Listen to what John Gill writes. He says, our trust is not in a creature, the best, the holiness, or the holiest and the highest, not in any creature enjoyment as riches, strength, and wisdom, nor in any outward privilege arising from natural descent and education, not in a man's self in his own heart, which is deceitful, nor in any works of righteousness done by him, not in a profession of religion or the duties of it, Ever so well performed, not in frames nor in graces as the exercise of them. No, not in faith or trust itself, but in the Lord, the object of all grace and in him only. In Jehovah, the father, as the God of nature and providence for all temporal blessings and as the God of all grace for all spiritual blessings and all the needful supplies of grace and for eternal happiness, which has provided, promised and freely gives trust in him at all times. In times of affliction, temptation, and darkness, there is a great deal of reason for it. All power and strength are in Him to help. His love, grace, mercy move Him to it and are always the same. The consideration of what He has done for others that have trusted to Him and for ourselves in time past should induce and encourage it. And also the happiness of those that trust in Him, who enjoy peace and safety, and His displeasure at those that show any indifference of Him or distrust Him. Trust Jehovah the Son, He says, in His person for acceptance, in His righteousness for justification, in His blood for pardon, in His fullness for supply, in His power for protection and preservation, and in Him alone for salvation and eternal life. Trust in Jehovah the Spirit to carry on and finish the work of grace upon the heart of which a saint may be confident that where it began, it will be completed. That's one way of putting it. Because some people trust in things like idols of gold and silver. Now, we might not use those terms today. We can just say money, possessions. Turn with me over to Psalm 31. Notice in Psalm 31 what the psalmist has to say in terms of where you put your trust. Verse 1 actually begins with that inscription to the chief musician, the Psalm of David. He says, In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in your righteousness. Bow down your ear to me and deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge, a fortress of defense to save me. For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me, for you are my strength. Into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. I have hated those who regard vain idols. But I trust in the Lord. 1 Timothy 3.16 tells us, Command those who are rich in this present age 
not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Probably one of the worst things that could have happened to our society is the lottery. You agree with me? Unless you're playing it. Many times I stop by the minute market and that's exactly what it's supposed to be, a minute market. And I stand there in line behind people that are poor and have no money playing the lottery. And that is where their trust lies. You'll hear phrases by people, if only I could win the lottery. That's the same phrase, if only I could get rich, then I would. And then you hear Christians that say that. They'll say, if only I could get rich, then I would build this massive church. I would give all this. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't do that. You know how I know you wouldn't do that? Because you don't do that with the $10 in your pocket. You take the $10 to the minute market and buy the lottery ticket. Whatever they cost. And then you keep going back. Where is your trust? Commandos who are rich in this present age. That's the poor going and doing that. Of course, the rich do the same too. There comes great responsibility with the things that we possess. We need to have the attitude that Agur had. He said there in Proverbs 30 and verse 7, two things I request of you. Deprive me not before I die. He says, remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food you prescribe for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Just give me my portion. Don't let me set my heart on that which is passing. We know how it is. We get paid and for the week's up or before even the day's up, it's already gone. You have more month left rather than check left at the end of the month, right? Well, some trust in idols of gold and silver. Some trust in possessions. Even in the Proverbs, we read that some trust in armies. Psalm 20, verse 7 says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. We're not going to trust in these things that will perish. But we have to trust in God. That's where our trust has to be. Psalm 33, verse 16, says, No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. The horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear Him. There's your key. On those who hope in His mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Our trust is in the Lord our God. I hope that's who you are trusting today. You've been listening to What It Means to Know God from Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. This message is available on one full-length audio CD. And you can get your copy today by calling us at 904-651-3351. Or you can download the free MP3 from our website at www.changedbygrace.com. Well, I'm Pastor Steve Herford. I do want to thank you for listening today, and I hope that you'll join us again next time as we study from God's Word. Do you struggle to memorize Scripture? Have you ever considered singing it? Hi, I'm Pastor Steve Herford, and I'd like to help. 
Visit my website at steveherford.com. There you will find over 40 scripture memory songs like the one playing now. Again, visit steveherford.com to learn more.